When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Jeremy Rona going to join us. There's a lot going on out there. I mean, we didn't touch on Babcock signing Columbus last week. We did not, uh, we haven't spoken about the Provorov trade. Rasmus Dahlin seems to be closing in on a contract. There's at least a lot of discussion about that. And yeah. uh, obviously we're going to have to get JR's take on the live PGA drama. So, right. Because like I out think, of all the, the things in hockey right now and all the things that are happening, like well, this I think there's live and I, PG, I, slash PGA is just kind of mind boggling. I think there's a tie to it. Tie to hockey. I really do. I think sports is shady. And and we can talk about that in a little <laughs> bit because I'm convinced that somebody in the league office does not want to see the Florida Panthers win. But let's grab uh, let's grab Jr. here and, and see what he's up to. What's up? You speaking German yet? No sprechen Sie Deutsch, none. So how long you been in Germany for? I got here Monday morning. I was up in Moncton playing hockey and then jumped on the plane and came over to came over to Amsterdam, spent the night there, now I'm in Germany. I'm doing nothing this week. I am so exhausted. So you're right. Your right eye looks week. a little swollen. Did you take a stick to the eye or no? I got a I got a fucking sty under my eye and it fucking hurts like a bastard. You know what you gotta do yeah. for that, eh? You put She's a you put around. a tea bag on it. I did put a tea bag on it this morning. You got a tea bag and I ain't I put I I ain't got a tea bag with your tea bag. Oh That's man. Petey's got a nice tea bag for you. Clear that up right oh, away. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> JR, so listen, man. I don't know if you're getting the news. The news that's shocking the world right now. What the heck happened to the PGA and Live Golf? I saw that the other day and I was shocked. I literally, I screamed out loud. I'm like, holy shit. There's really not much of an explanation for this because the PGA has been going nuts over these guys and everybody's been going nuts over these guys for the last year. And, you know, the only thing that I can think of, you know, with, with Brooks Kepka winning, you know, last, you know, the last major, it, it had to have fucking put a big dent into the PGA tour. It had and, to have. And he almost won the masters. And he almost won the Masters. So, but why? Why is that? Why is that putting a dent in the PGA Tour? Because one of their own isn't winning their own tour. You got the so best what? players. 
Well, you want the best players. You want the best players in the world being on your tour. Yeah. And now all of a sudden, the best player in that week is not on your tour. Yeah, well, you and, know what? The PGA, the PGA uh, really put up that stink about, you know, the Saudis and the 9-11 um, victims, families. And those are all valid. But what they really cared about was their own bottom line. And of course, they did. it of never course. had anything to do. They, in fact, they should be more ashamed, in my opinion, for even using those excuses uh, to to make those players look bad. Because in the end, they never gave a shit about those reasons. They only cared about the fact that it was going to directly affect their product. Do you know why? Because the live tour is fucking 10 times better to watch. 10 times better to watch. So, yeah, it's more it's more fun to watch. It is. Now, whatever you're going to say about about the live tour, whatever you say you're going to say about the Saudis and all that stuff, human atrocities are everywhere. Okay, there's human atrocities in this country, and by the way, the PGA better you better look to see how many people on their tour are wearing Nike gear, and finding out where the Nike gear is being being made and produced in China under Uyghur circumstances. Uyghur circumstances. Okay. You have Nike doing literally child labor to make Nike gear. So you can you can find human atrocities everywhere. Um, to tell you the truth, um, I'm actually I'm actually glad that they that they joined. I'm glad that they formed because I miss seeing Dustin Johnson and Kepka and DeChambeau and all these guys in tournaments every week. Um, I don't know how it's going to work, what there's, what the relationship is or what the partnership is going to be, but you know, the best golfers in the world should all, should all be together. I think, you know, they are, but I just get shocked the shit out of it. I get the impression though, that all the guys that signed on with live golf that got these ungodly amounts of money, like what, what was it? A five-year deal for most of these guys. And uh, Phil Mickelson at age 50 or older than 50 um, signed for $200 million. You have Dustin Johnson signed for 125. You have uh, Brooks Kopka signed for 150 million. Cam Smith, like all, uh, all the top golfers. Okay. Sign these deals. They're playing one third the tournaments, but making an ungodly amount of money. Like, are those guys even happy that that live live golf is merged with the PGA because they're going to have to go back to the grind? Where those guys before, yeah. they're like, "This is the greatest I, deal ever." I'm playing one. I can, I can tell you what. Yeah, I can tell you what. Brooks Kepka and Dustin Johnson are probably like, "Fuck, this is this has been the greatest year ever." You know, making so much money, traveling all over the world played three rounds a, a, a weekend. Um, but then again, they can choose what, what, what tournaments they want to play in. But you know, I, I, if you're, it's, if you're a PGA tour player, right. And now you got to live guys, you're, you're, you're joining with the live tour and all these guys are making guaranteed huge money. Well, how about the guys there's that a, turned down all the live? Like Rory McIlroy is most loyal teammate to the PGA tour. Could have gone to live, could have gone to live, and he stuck by and and fought for higher pay, and you know had the closed door meeting with Tiger Woods and all the players, you know, last year, and they upped the up the pay for the PGA. 
these guys like Tiger Woods was offered like what seven eight hundred million to go to live and hobble yeah. around yeah, with a fucking think, metal do ankle. You think, I mean, do you do you think Bill Mahoney, the the PGA commissioner, do you think he went to the top guys and asked them what they thought? Do you think he went to Rory? Do you think he went to Scheffler? Do you think he went to you know to the top guys of the PGA Tour and said, "Hey, what do you think?" Or do you think he made they just made it as a as an executive decision? I would have I, to I imagine I, they would they would have had to take that to the players and the membership, wouldn't they? Do they not have a players association? I I think they do, don't they? Like there's 120 of them, aren't there? Only 120. PGA? There's 126. Yeah, 126. there's 126 per year per per season. Yeah. Yeah. So um, Riff, um, uh, while you guys were talking, I went and I, well, I should up. say 126 keep their cards. Yeah, there you there's go. more. There's there's more players that are that play, but that a lot of them lose their cards if they don't make it to 126. Well, you know, I played in the, uh, the PGA I, I in stuffy. The it's, you know, there's the, the, the respect factor for the game and the tradition is there with the PGA, which personally I love. Okay. But I also think that if you're going to look at the large majority of people that you want to bring into the game of golf, that's what live golf is all about. It's about beers on the course. It's about listening to music. It's about not worrying about having to dress like an old man. Um, and I think that's what they're catering to now. I mean, there's going to be so many more people watch this game because of what live golf has done. Live golf, but that's okay. Live golf. Uh, it's missing the E. JR, I got to ask you a question. Yeah. Do you, and I, I don't want to put you on the spot, but I, I like putting you on the spot. And we can always edit this out, so always know that. Do you think pro sports are fixed by the top. Yeah, I think they're influenced. I, I heard, I heard uh, stories. Remember the remember the, the the basketball referee that got that got jammed by by fixing yeah. games. So I actually was watching one of the games that he was in. That I said this this game is rigged for sure. This game is fixed. The game the, these guys. It was Phoenix versus. Uh, San Antonio. This is way back when uh, this guy was refing, and I'm. I think uh, Phoenix's top guys got ejected and were out of the game. Nash was out of the game. Stoudemire was out of the game um, for the next game, and I'm like, this is going to be just a blowout. And it happened to go the other way. And the fouls that were called was just. It was some of the most unbelievably phantom calls I've ever seen in basketball. And I don't even know basketball, but I knew that they were phantom calls. But I was watching, I was watching that, that Netflix and, you know, that referee literally threw the, threw them under the bus, said they'd be in the locker room and, and the top guys of the NBA would come in and say, hey, listen, we need the Lakers to win this game for ratings for whatever the case may be. We need this team to win. Tim Donahue was the ref. Tim Donahue. That's right. And, you know, he literally threw, threw that, the league under the bus and said that representatives came to the referee's locker room before the game and said, hey, listen, you know, we need the Lakers to win this game tonight. Well, it's Plain amazing you say that because, Craig, I said something the other day and I, there's no possible way that the NHL benefits from the Florida Panthers winning the Stanley Cup. Zero. Not as much as they do Vegas. Correct. They have to be 
absolutely beside themselves that it's Florida Vegas because if it were Rangers Vegas or Toronto Vegas, it would just be an absolute ratings dream for the league. Yep. So Craig said something to me that was interesting this morning, and I don't know where he got the information. Maybe you can fill us in, Craig, but Craig said that the league called the ref association. If they're, they're the refs, I think it would be probably Stephen Walkham. Uh, if he's in yes. fact still the guy, it was him. If it's not is, him, I'm sorry. Is. It is. Yeah. And I don't know if he's the person they called, but I would assume that's who they would have called and said that they want more penalties on the Florida Panthers. Now you got to realize let's, let's back up a second. I read this. I read an article that basically stated in the article, and this is all, this could be all bullshit. I just want to say that. Listen, man, are you serious right now? That's a crucial, but I will, I will tell you this, that Florida, the, the NHL wants more penalties called on Florida because Every time there's a scrum after the whistle, Florida's face washing, punching, a little spear, a little this, a little that. And you, if you watch, if you it's watch. Matthew, it's a Matthew, Matthew Kachuk influence. It is absolutely the Matt. And now here's the thing. The Matthew Kachuk influence dominated the Boston series. The Matthew Kachuk series against Toronto Maple Leafs, he bullied the Toronto Maple Leafs. And there's a lot of followers, the cousins who, like, I mean, he's become a little rat and Racco Gudis is killing guys. And they became the bullies on the block. And they went and bullied the Toronto Maple Leafs. And then they went and played the Carolina Hurricanes, a, a team that is very structured in the way that they play and the way and and how they do things and they got bullied there was no pushback there was no grit there was nothing and the kachuk factor just kept on pushing well if you watch this series jr if you watch the first two games i watched and witnessed so many players on vegas take the face wash take the punch in the face take mm-hmm. the extra shot and they walked away. Mm-hmm. They've walked away and they've capitalized on those opportunities by playing discipline. But at the same time, Vegas doesn't get pushed around. They've well, got guys team. that push they're back. Team. They're a big team and they've stayed disciplined. Cause we, we, we know exactly we, we talked about this when, when Jamie Ben cross checked Mark stone, we talked about, you yeah it's one thing to to show your influence and to show and to you know to show your strength but you also have to be disciplined in doing it and i think you know vegas is a better team and what florida has now stepped into they've stepped into a big team that can play any style of game they can play defense they can play offense they can play a physical game they're not intimidated and you know what they're doing is they're saying they're being coached extremely well by saying, just walk away. Let them take the penalties. We'll benefit from the power plays and we'll win the game. That's what they're doing. And it's really difficult to do. It it really is. It's difficult to do. And I'm going to tell you right now, after game one, JR, when you watch game one at the end, the game was over. Okay. The game was Mm -hmm. over, but Matthew Kachuk was going to influence 
and and put a stamp on the game, even though they lost. Okay. Did you see that hit on fucking Jack Eichel? Oh, oh my! Oh, oh Christ! Boy. I gotta tell you what, I've never seen Jack Eichel get hit like that. I don't think he bailed out of the hit. I just think he toe picked, and Kachuk got him in the right spot. But I'm going to say the fact that Eichel came back, number one, was incredible. Number two, the play that he fucking made to Marchessault so in his first shift back was incredible. So, yeah, that's a new man. It's a new player. We've seen we've seen what we all thought Jack Eichel was going to be. We've seen in this this I think this playoff season, and you know this all goes back to what we started talking about is whether the referees are influenced. You know, the different sports referees can determine basketball games. Referees can determine football games. Referees cannot determine NHL games, but they can influence them through the, with the, through their penalty calls, through their whistles. And or lack of penalty calls, because you had McNabb cross-check Kachuk exactly. into the net, and then you had Hill turn around and then hammer, a hammer, but push on Kachuk. The ref was standing right there. If his arm's up, Kachuk doesn't make – Kachuk looked at the ref. There was no arm up. He gave Aiden Hill a, a push, and then – and then he'll, you know, goes and whacks him with the goalie stick. Like there's four fucking penalties there. Two of yeah, them were on yeah. Kachuk. McNabb should have been in, in the box for cross-checking. Period. End of story. Arm goes yeah, up, and yeah. that's it. Kachuk's not going to do anything. I think he's smart enough to to know they're going on the power yeah. play. Yeah, and I sure. think that Definitely. is the ref was standing, I don't know, eight, ten feet away. How far is the corner from the post? But see, the, the, the problem is, though, Petey, is we don't know whether they're influencing because the refereeing has been, I think, god awful the whole playoffs from round one. Yeah, I think so, that's. I think that, that is. You know where I think that stems from? I think that stems from. I think the refs are in are influenced by fear from the league and the referees association. If there is, if there even is. I mean, something. I don't know what it, but but because it has been so bad, you don't know now whether they're just not calling it because they're told not to call it, or because they just don't see it because they're they're not they're are, not good enough. Are you noticing that any close play by the blue line with the puck, they're just letting it go, and if there's a goal, they're just going to rely on the on the That's video right. replay. Hundred percent. There are yeah. so many calls where back when we were playing, the arm would go up and. Sh- because they don't want any do question you, yeah, of making you, a mistake. Now it's like, fuck, we got video replay. You, but do you, yeah, but do, do, do you like that or do you not like that? I like I it. I actually like that. I like it. Let yeah. it play out. Yeah. You know Let what? It Let go. it play. If a goal is scored, they're going to go back and they're going to review it and they're going to call it back if, yeah. it's, if, if it's called back. But if there's no goal, then the yeah. then the game is the game's got some speed to it. You know the the game yeah, is, exactly. is not a three hour game. It's going to be a lot less. And yeah, so and, and I think also it, hey, listen, the assistant coaches are there for a reason. They're the ones that have to watch the game, and they're the ones that are going to have to look and see if it's if it's an offside. They have to be on their game. So there's a whole bunch of things that come in. Let the game play out. Nobody wants to see a whistle. Nobody wants to see the the play stopped. If the mistake was made, which we understand human mistakes are going to happen, human error, and if there's a if there's a challenge, so be it. You know what? There's also a penalty if the challenge is wrong, and the, and then you're on the you're on the penalty kill again. That's so right. That's I say right. just let it go. Just let it go. Let it go. 
and let that other team make the decision if they want to take a chance to, to, to replay it. Don't just stop it on the guests. Make sure you're right. So I actually like that aspect of the game. But th- these first two games has been so, so over, you know, overmatched, uh, which I knew would happen. I, I picked I picked Vegas in five to win, win the series. It just They're just way too good. And I think Florida has to change their philosophy. You're not pushing these guys around. The physicality, the intimidation, it's not going to happen. They tried to do that in the first two games, and they got beat at it because they're not pushing around Vegas. Vegas is tougher than they are. You know, I I think they're probably equally as tough. I think uh, Vegas is bigger. Their defense are fucking monsters. Right, so I, is the I, series is the series over, or can the Panthers still turn this around? I mean, I, I mean, I'd be I'd be stupid to say it was over because we're in the finals. Anything can happen, and and if Bob gets hot again, you never know. But this I has mean, nothing I, to do I, with Bob, though. The goals that I, are scored, I, I agree. I don't agree. have anything to do with Bob. But that's the only way that Florida has a chance, in my opinion. Well, they need to start playing some hockey is what they need to start doing. Um, You know, Barkoff, who is a $10 million hockey player that is extremely talented, extremely talented hockey player, needs to give more. I'm sorry, but there's far too many games throughout the playoffs. And, And listen, I mean, the Florida Panthers beat the number one team in the NHL, Boston, the number two team, Carolina, and the number four team, Toronto. And I'm going to tell you this. I don't even remember watching Barkov play. I remember yeah. watching Montour. I remember watching for Stiege. I remember watching Kachuk Bennett. I don't remember seeing Barkov. And that you is know a why? problem. Do you, know why? Do you know why? Because Barkov is a pretty hockey player. He's pretty. He skates smooth. He skates effortlessly. You don't see the the dig and the tenacity in a Barkov. And I wonder if he has it in him because he's relied on talent his whole life, his whole career, talent. But when you're in this situation in the finals of the Stanley Cup, you got to get the grit and, and, the, and the dig to be successful in, the, in this situation. Trust me, I, I, I know. I've been there. I lost it, and I know why. I mean, because the guys, the star guys on the other team that I played against, the Pittsburgh Penguins, they had grit and tenacity, and were all over it. Mario Lemieux, Yager, Kevin Stevens—these guys that were just—you can well, tell that they were fucking wanted it. Florida you has. Can't tell with Barkov. Barkov's a quiet guy. He's quiet. Well, I think true colors come out in a in a series like this, right? And I mean, it's no different from a guy like Sam Reinhardt too. He's been invisible the last two games. Absolutely invisible. And there's a guy that you you need in a that's 17 million dollars in in players that are invisible in your lineup. That's a problem. Yeah, I, I just find the, the Florida Panthers have relied so heavily on Matthew Kachuk where I think he's being basically just overshadowed and overtaken by, by a team, by a team, because I'm going to tell you when I, when I, when I watch who's on the fourth line in, in, uh, in Florida, 
I can tell you exactly the fourth line on Vegas because they on they've been, they've many, been many, many, they're incredible. This, and, this Rua, this Rua guy, you, you tell me something. Have you seen a so-called tough guy play as confident and as unbelievably poised as this Rob has played? Carrier has played unbelievable. Those two players for the fourth line, I bet you the fourth line has been better than the, than the second and third line. You're forgetting one crucial piece on that line, too. Keegan Colesar. Guy's just a goddamn monster. <laughs> monster. Yeah. Super heavy, cranking everything. everything. You've got these guys making hockey plays. Like, I mean, Will Ca- William Carrier is a hockey player. He's a physical, fast, aggressive how hockey player. How many goals do they have? How many goals do they have as a line in these playoffs? I know Ra has two. Carrier has at least three, doesn't he? Colesar yeah. has one or two. Well, listen, I mean, you you know that Wa is is a very talented hockey player because he's on the second power play. He plays on the fourth line, but he shouldn't be a fourth line center. Like, I mean, this kid's got insane skills. He's a big kid. He skates well. He's very skilled, but he, and he is, is playing, he's playing with confidence, man. Yes. I'm telling so, you, you know, why, I, you know why he's playing with such confidence? Because his coach keeps putting his line on the ice and on the ice and on the ice and on the ice and on the ice. Yeah. yeah. Isn't that cool? I so, think that's so cool. So for me, when I, when I look at Vegas, I, I look at the depth in which they play. You have the Jack Eichel line with Jonathan Marchezo, who arguably right now is a is Conn Smythe leader with 12 goals and 21 points. He's, he's basically right there. Um, then you have the next line with Mark Stone, Chandler Stevenson, Howden, who scored two goals the last game. That's an unbelievable second line. Then you got the third line, Riley Smith, veteran. You've got William uh, Carlson, who's played Carlson. insane this entire playoffs. Yeah. So when you yep. start to look at their team and then you have their fourth line that we just talked about, their four lines are unreal. But what I love about their team also is they have guys on the back end, the white cloud, the hag. Um, when you, when you watch uh, McNabb play, they're super physical guys. Just like Racco Gudis is a super physical player for, for Florida. The difference is they're playing within the whistle. It's, it's, it's always like, it's like they're, they're trying to be the junkyard dogs where you're not getting Vegas off their game. They play within the whistle. They play very physical and hard. And once the, once the whistle's done, there's nothing from them. And it's not that they don't want to fight back, they're there protecting each other, but they're doing it with insane amount of discipline. And I think that's one of the biggest difference. Did you guys see Mike? Insane. Did you guys see Mike Commodore's video the other day? Oh, I haven't <laughs> seen. I, 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 you know, I've been looking. I've been waiting to look on Kami's Kami's Insta or his uh, Twitter because I sent out a nice As soon video. as I saw that, as soon as I saw that about Bab- Babcock and Columbus, I'm like. Can't wait to get the commies here. <laughs> oh, it's 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 unbelievable. Uh, I'm going to I'm going to try to do my best to play it for you guys here. If- Mike Babcock, head coach back in the NHL, head coach of the Columbus Blue Jackets, 
That's the bully. It's another chance. Am I disappointed? Yes, I am disappointed. Am I surprised? No, I'm not. Uh, his whole retirement thing was a little horse shit right off the bat. And I'm sure he walked into Columbus office and told the brass whatever they wanted to hear. Oh, I changed, blah, 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 which is another load of horse shit. That's the bully ain't changing. Scumbags like that don't change. With all due respect to my buddies that are in the Blue Jackets organization, I hope this Babcock experiment is a complete disaster on every single level. You think he's holding some baggage there? Like how many bad coaches did you have that you were on that type of level of hatred? I don't think I have any coaches. Nowhere near that. Do you guys know Kami at all? Absolutely. Absolutely. He is, he is a beautiful, beautiful man. I love him so much. Um, I love listening to him. I love hanging out with him. I love his mentality. He was a warrior when he played, played the game the right way. And something had, I don't know what exactly it was. And I have, you know, I never asked him when I was sitting at the bar. I, w- I was at the Masters with him this year. But one of these days, I'm going to ask him what all the things that happened between him. Because if a guy like Kyle. He, he told us he was on our show last year. He's one of the, oh, he's one of the funniest and nicest guys I've met in hockey. And he was saying that he had opportunity to go and sign somewhere else. And Babcock called him. He had a bad history with him in Cincinnati in the minors. And I think Anaheim. So Babcock called him like, no, we want you. I want you. You're going to play. And then he got him and he never fucking played him. And we basically, you know, and there's more to it. And it's back in one of our episodes. I'll go back. I'll send it to you. And and you can well, one have of the worst list. things I've ever one of the worst things I've ever seen Babcock do, and I there's a bunch, there's a long list. Um, but Mike Medano missed fifteen hundred games. I think it's fifteen hundred games by one game. Yeah, fourteen ninety nine. Fourteen ninety nine. Ninety nine. Last game of the season, and guess who gets scratched in Detroit? Mike Medano could have played fifteen hundred games. And it's just like, if, well, you look, you can go back to Mike Medano. Hall of Famer, Hall yeah. of Famer, probably one of the best, if not the best American of all time. <laughs> can you scratch him for his 1500th game? If that's not a load of disrespect, I don't know what is. I don't know what is. I think if Mike Medano played in today's game, he'd be, he'd be pressing Connor McDavid for the scoring title every year. <laughs> <laughs> with his wheels and not getting hooked or slashed. Or hey, oh my God. I, Mike Medano, Mike I, Medano might even be outscoring you, Connor McDavid. I bet you if Mike Medano was Canadian, he would have played in that game. He would have really? played his 1500th game. Yep. I think he would play his 1500th game. Yep. Oh, wow. I think like, yep. I was going to say, you don't have to go back any further than just the situation with Mitch Marner. I mean, can you think, can you come up with a, a snakier thing for a coach to do to a young kid. Like we saw Lindy Ruff absolutely verbally abused. So, so the people that are listening, Petey, um, I remember hearing, but let's refresh the memory on the Mitch Marner situation in Toronto. No. So, so it had, so it had to be a young, it had to be a young Mitch Marner uh, in his rookie season. And Babcock brought him into his office because the team wasn't playing too well and used his influence 
and ask Mitch Marner about his own teammates. Which ones do you don't think could work harder? Which ones you think aren't bringing it? Which ones do you think uh, are capable of doing more, but they're just not working hard enough? And, and, and Marner didn't want to answer it and, you know, put him under the gun and said, listen, this is between us, you know, tell me which, which players you think are not pulling their weight so on and so forth. And, and how's Mitch Marner going to wiggle out of that room without start naming names? Well, he's not. He's, exactly. he's as a rookie. He wants he wants a coach to be happy with him. So he starts saying some things, and then Babcock turns around and uses Mitch Marner's words to embarrass his own players to get them to start playing good because they look. The rookie even knows that you're not playing well. This is guy who says you're not playing well. He wrote he wrote your name down on a list or something. Said you were the least hardest yeah. working guy on the team. Yeah, exactly. So he threw he threw Mitch Marner under the bus, which was an awful thing to do. Uh, well, who was the who was the Detroit guy that literally had to go to had to go to a, a, a psychologist because he just literally mental fucked him. Fra- Franzen. Franzen. Yeah, Johan he's Franzen. a Swede. Yeah. Yeah, totally, totally mind fucked him so bad that he, he literally had to go see a shrink. Yeah. Like he, he, he had, he had depression because of Babcock. Really? And I remember. Yes. Like, fuck me, man. What is going even, on with all like, what even Chelly, like even, I don't understand even, how you can get that abused, like, and just let it. I don't know. I, I just, even Chelly, even Chelly says it was, it was brutal. Really? You know, that bad. Yeah. Uh, yeah, how about Chelly gets benched? Chelly gets benched um, from Babcock. He sits at the end of the bench and cracks open a beer at the end of the bench, drinking a beer at the end of the bench because <laughs> he got sat. It's fucking Chelly. I love that. <laughs> he cracked a beer mid-game because he got yeah. sat. Yeah, because he was at the end of the bench. He wasn't playing anymore. <laughs> Holy shit, man. Anyway, I'm going to tell you. Mike Babcock, uh, the newest uh, Columbus Blue Jackets head coach. And I'm just like, right away, I go to their team and I'm thinking to myself, Johnny Hockey and Patrick Laine, man. Oh my God, are they going to be in trouble? Patrick Laine is like, is that, is that a, is so, that a Mike so, Babcock hockey player? So not, so not. But is, is, is Goudreau? Is Goudreau a, a Babcock player? No. No, it's just, I just don't, I'm at some point, the regurgitation has to stop, doesn't it? Yeah, I I think so. I I would, I would hope so. I mean, I don't understand this move at at all, but that's not a good hockey. I think think they got some, they got some work to do. They got some work to do. They got a lot of work to do. The regurgitation has to stop. Uh, we got to get start getting some young, some young talent in there, right? Some young coaches that have been around these players, have played in this generation, that understand them more, that can coach them more, can relate more. Um, you talk about relating, what, and I, I'm going to say something to you too, just just right there. You know, Lindy Ruff is an older one of the older coaches in the league, and you know what I think saved his career as a coach was his two years as the assistant coach with the New York Rangers because we all know assistant coaches have a way different role and way more communication with the players so you can actually learn and understand what what makes these kids tick. That's what a great point. 
Great you know, point. and then he yeah. goes, and now he's got this young team, the second or third or fourth youngest team in the league in New Jersey, and he's got them. He's got them pumping, and it's probably yeah. because he can understand a Jack or a, a, a Hughes, um, Jack Hughes. I almost said Quinn Hughes, um, but he can understand those guys. He can understand his personality when he goofs off in an interview and all these other things. So. You know, I'm with you. I mean, you you need some coaches that have been maybe around this generation of player because head coaches are too separated from their team. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a great point. It really is a good yeah. point. It's you interesting know, player- too. Uh, you know, moving moving to you know thinking about Columbus Blue Jackets, how they're acquiring, you know, Ivan Proberoff, and you know, you look at uh, you look at Danny Briere, the new. Uh, you know, appointed GM of the, the Philadelphia Flyers, that's a statement. That's a statement trade right there. I mean, you're looking at a at a defenseman that has been one of the better defensemen, one of the better young defensemen in the league for a number of years, and now all of a sudden, you know, at the age of 26, he gets moved on. With term yeah. on his deal. With term on his deal. It's like Danny Briere is, is going to start to make Key moves to that team for the future. Well, he's got to. One thing that I like what the Flyers are doing is they're bringing back some players that have worn that jersey. Danny Breer wore that jersey, and Keith Jones, the president, have worn that jersey. Okay, and I think what they've lost in that organization, in that locker room, is what that emblem represents. Okay. It represents grit, tenacity, work, and a hard team to play against. And I don't think you've seen the Flyers be one of those teams in a long time. Since they were maybe since they were in the finals against Chicago. But they have to start getting players of that of that that threshold in order to bring back the energy back into that building. Because the energy in that building is provided by those fans too, even in a negative situation. That's a hard place to play when you're not when you're not pleasing those fans. Let me tell you something. So Danny Breer's got a hard job, but I think he understands what what the fans need and what is expected. In your in your thought on on Philadelphia, they've been a team that's kind of like been a a bit of a yo yo, right? They they're there and then they're bottom, then they're there, they're bottom. Do you think Danny Briere is at a point where he's just going to start tearing this team right apart and building right from scratch? Because, you know, he's a new GM. Like, if I'm given a GM position and I have a team that's uh, what did they, what did they finish this year? PD six worst, seventh worst in in, in the NHL. Um, if Who's I was salvageable a, there, who's salvageable there? Hayes? I would I would tear that thing right apart just like Chicago did. I have no problem what Chicago did. They're in, they're in a complete transition. They're starting from scratch. The only way of being successful in the NHL right now is you need to win. You need to be you need to be bad before you're really good. You look at the Colorado Avalanche, go look at the guys that they picked. They have Kale McCarr, he was picked 5th overall. You have Nate McKinnon picked number 1 overall. You have um Langdeskog, you have uh with the Grantman. In order to win, you need to suck. Pittsburgh Penguins, they won three Stanley Cups. Malkin, Crosby, Flurry, um Brooks Orpik, okay. uh uh Jordan Stahl, 
was picked what third overall like you have to suck and and all these teams i don't have a problem tearing it down philadelphia flyers they're just not a good team they're a very average hockey team very average i think they should be tearing that thing right down and and you know what He's in a really good situation in Philly because there's not yeah. a lot of those players that are on long-term See, deals. And there's not none of those players on that team. Are, is the city going to get mad if he trades? Yeah, Nobody. not one. Not one. I don't. Not one player on that team is, are some. Are the fans going to get mad and revolt if if Danny Breer trades them away for other players? That's a nice situation to be in. You know. Dolan's close to signing. Is that the is it kind of the feeling you're getting? Yeah, Jr. What do you what do you give a what do you give a kid that scored? Uh, uh, help me out here, PD. Fifteen goals, seventy three points, was a plus ten in seventy eight games. I think he's in the top seven best defenseman in the game. Top seven. I think he is talent wise. Okay. I think so. Name me the I guys so. that are ahead of him. Just name me the guys that are ahead of him. McCarr, Hedman. Kale McCarr. Kale McCarr makes Hedman. nine. Hedman makes eight, seven. Charlie McAvoy. Seven, seven, eight. Charlie McAvoy. Bo- Box. Box. Box makes nine, yeah. five. Yeah. Um, Carlson. Carlson. Hayskinen. Hayskinen makes 8.5. Like, um, what is the realization that you could get Rasmus Dahlin for nine? To nine million dollars, nine nine and a half million. Is that is that realistic, or do you think that he's going to kind of break the barrier and and hit a ten million dollar range? I think, I think he's going. I think he's. I think the nine nine five. I think he's going to go to nine nine five. I think. They, I think he could probably pull that off. Well, he I deserves, know he, he deserves I, nine five. You know, I no, hope they get sure, him at nine seven five. For, you yeah, know, and, for sure. But you also want to you also want to keep some you know keep some space, right? Because you want to be able to maneuver guys and get, get some 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 other talent. Let me help you, know, you like out with some other names there, week. guys. Quinn Hughes, Josh Morrissey, Dougie Hamilton, all outscored Rasmus. What's uh, what's uh, Dougie um, Hamilton makes? What nine 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 and a half? Yeah, something like that. So that's his ball. That's Darnell his Nurse nine and a half. And the other thing, two ribs. Uh, Seth is, Jones, nine and a half. You know how they can keep Owen Powers' number down too? Just a quick thought I had today was by doing this: when you sign Dolly, you let Owen Power play it out, and you say you're not making more than our captain next year. Rasmus Dahlin will probably be the next captain of the Buffalo Sabers. Yeah, it won't be next year, but yes, I, after I next year, could, I mean, could, very well could be. Yep. And then that way, you know, it's like you can't have Owen Power making more than. Your best, if your number one defense. I mean, Owen Power probably shouldn't be making more than Darlene. Period. Um, Owen Power is is a great defenseman, and he's got a long way to go. But I'm going to tell you right now, Rasmus Darlene is a freak point producer. Freak. He's 22 years old and put 73 points in the board. You think he's done there? You think his best years? I watched him. I watched him control a power play, anchor a power play. There's not many guys that can anchor a power play like that kid. I'm telling you, skill set is off the chart. Like, I mean, top five best puck moving defensemen. He's probably one of the top three best power play specialists. Um, Smart. 
And Owen Power is an awesome player. He's awesome. He's awesome. But I don't think, I don't think Owen Power, and I and I don't know this. I hope that he does. Um, exceeds the Darlene capabilities. I don't think he's going to be as offensive as Darlene. I don't think he has the same skill set. He may have some better qualities. Maybe, maybe defensively better. Could be. You know, like listen. I mean, the kid was a the a kid tougher, was not a defenseman tougher. this year, Jr. If you watched him, he didn't play defense. He was literally a rover. Yeah, his yeah, partner was a place. defender. Then you had a rover, and then you had three forwards. Like this kid yeah. was all over the ice. He's flying. I did not like it at the start when I watched him. I was like, "Holy shit, man! Someone needs to calm this guy down because he's everywhere." <laughs> and then I realized, I realized. That that's the game. That's yeah. the game. And we have an asset that is so insane that why why prohibit him from doing amazing things? Right? Mm-hmm. So yeah. before before we get out of here, we know you probably have to go, JR. Enjoy Germany. But I just wanted to do a quick check-in on your friend. I know you were dealing with a tough time last week. If you don't want to talk about it, I understand. Yeah. So uh, it's funny. It's it's not funny, but it's um it's how life works, right? When you're close to somebody. So I was, I was able to go see him last week, which thank you for um, understanding. I couldn't be on the show last week. Um, Cause I knew it was going to be the last time I got to see him. Uh, he'd been battling uh, brain cancer, um, glioblastoma for 15 months. And I got to spend three solid days with him. And I was flying to Amsterdam on Sunday and I got this, really weird feeling in my stomach, almost like a little nausea. Right. And I just, you, you know, I just, just something. And I text, I text, um, back to the, to the hospice. And I said, still here question mark. And that was at six forty three PM on Sunday. And the response back was he just passed a minute ago, like one minute from my text. And uh, it was just really, really strange that I, I just knew that he had gone. I knew that he had passed and it was just overwhelming for me on the plane. But, um, you know, I, I, you know, I don't know how you guys are, but I believe there's something, there's something waiting for us afterwards. And he told me that he was on his way there. It was pretty, you know, pretty surreal. But he passed on Sunday, so appreciate you asking about him. Yeah, sorry to hear about that, Jr. I'll tell you right now, it's pretty amazing that you got to spend uh, three amazing days with him, right? So yeah, I was very lucky. I was very lucky. I was very lucky, and that's why we have to enjoy our lives, boys. You know, you know, I love my friends. I love, I love you two. I love my my friends more than anything. And I just hope everybody takes care of themselves, and hopefully, I have the capacity to take care of my own self because I just watched, you know, one of the worst things in the world and the worst disease in the world just change a person from the person I knew into somebody I didn't. It's just unbelievable crazy. Take that appreciation and enjoy the time with your daughter. Appreciate you joining us from uh, Germany. And uh, yeah, that's why I love Wednesdays, boys. Why I love Wednesdays. Can I get to spend it with my two buddies? Well, we appreciate the commitment. That's a wrap on another episode of after the whistle. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter after the whistle. And at Craig Reve 52 at the instigator 76. 
And you can find us, as you already know, on Apple, Spotify, and YouTube, and anywhere else where you can get your podcast. Thanks for tuning in. Don't forget to spread the word.